Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya December 6, 2013, in Los Angeles, California. We're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 7. Chapter 15, Instructions for Civilized Human Beings, text 19 and 20. Text 20 is on the board, so I will just read 19 myself. Ashantustasya viprasya teja vidyatapo yashaha shravantindrinya loyena gyanam jaivavakriyate Translation, because of greed for the sake of the senses, the spiritual strength, education, austerity, and reputation of a devotee or brahmana who is not self-satisfied dwindle and his knowledge gradually vanishes. So what do you lose if you're greedy? A lot. Yes, okay. Tell me what some of them were. Your knowledge. So does this mean um, like your ability to recite slokas? What does it mean, your knowledge? Your realization. Okay. What else do you lose if you're greedy for the sake of your senses? One, two, three, four, five things. We got one of them. What are the other ones? Strength. What kind of strength? Spiritual strength. So your ability to do your sadhana, your faith, those are the two aspects of spiritual strength, shraddha and sadhana. So your faith diminishes and your ability to do your spiritual practices diminishes. What else do you lose if you're greedy? Your education, yes, you lose your education. So that is your knowledge of your sloka. So you lose your technical education. What else? Two more. You lose your us. Are you looking? You lose. Your, we're supposed to learn that in school. We don't. Yeah. So you lose your austerity. You lose your ability to perform austerities. There's a direct relationship between being greedy for your senses and your ability. Your ability to do something that's difficult. Your willpower. Your ability to sacrifice. And last one. The respect of others. You lose your reputation. Okay, a lot of things that are lost if you're greedy. Okay, now, so in the text 20, we're going to look at the nature of greed. Kamasyantam hikshutribhyam Krodhasyaitat palodayat Janoyati nalobhasya Jitva Bhuktva Disho Bhuva. Please chant.
ladies? Kamasya, of the desire for sense gratification or the urgent needs of the body. Antam, end, he, indeed, shutribhyam, by one who is very hungry or thirsty. Krodhasya, of anger, etat, this, palaudayat by venting chastisement and its reaction. Janaha, a person, yati, crosses over. Na, not, lobhasya, greed, jitva, conquering, bhuktva, enjoying, dishaha, all directions, bhuvaha, of the globe. So everybody knows the three gates leading to hell. What are they? Lust, anger, and greed. So here, I'm going to learn from the Bhagavatam why the most dangerous one is greed. Translation. The strong bodily desires and needs of a person disturbed by hunger and thirst are certainly satisfied when he eats. Similarly, if one becomes very angry, that anger is satisfied by chastisement and its reaction. Have we had that experience? We're very angry and we yell at somebody or we kick something. And like, oh, okay. And your anger is dissipated. Except for Hiranyakashipu. His anger remained his whole life. <laughs> he never got dissipated. But as for greed, even if a greedy person has conquered all the directions of the world or has enjoyed everything in the world, still he will not be satisfied. So why is greed more dangerous than lust and anger? Never satisfied. Lust and anger, can, can it be actually satisfied, lust and anger? Temporarily. Temporarily, lust and anger can be satisfied. Greed cannot be satisfied even for a moment. Purport. In Bhagavad Gita 337, it is stated that lust, anger, and greed are the causes of the conditioned soul's bondage in the material world. Kama Esha, Krota Esha, Rajaguna, Samud Babaha. That was an answer to what question of Arjuna? Yes, I remember when I first read Bhagavad Gita when I was in college. And when I got to that question, which was at the bottom of the right-hand side of the page in that printing of the Bhagavad Gita, I was like, yes, yes, what is it? What is it that forces me to do things that are against my own principles? I feel like I'm being forced. 
Does everyone have this experience? We have our principles. Wake up in the morning. This is what I'm going to do today. I'm going to be this kind of a person. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to be tolerant. I'm going to be forgiving. I'm going to be. And then something happens, and you go, oh, my God, I blew it. Am I the only one that this happens to? Okay. Well, why? And it, it, almost, it seems like it's against my will almost. It seems like I'm making a determination. I'm going to be like this. I'm going to do this. Why? So I was like, yes, what is it? What is it? And I turned the page. Kama Asia, Kota Asia. I'm like, that's it? So it's our lust, which turns into wrath, the all-devouring sinful enemy of the world. When strong, lusty desires for sense gratification are unfulfilled, one becomes angry. So that's in three categories. You want it and you don't get it. That's one kind of unfulfillment. You want it, you don't get it at all. Another kind of unfulfillment, you want it, you get it, and it disappoints you. You got it, you ordered it, it came, and you're like, oh, no. Not what I want. And last kind of unfulfillment, you want it, you get it, it's perfect, and it's temporary. You lose it. And then one becomes angry. Why didn't I get that? Why wasn't it what I thought it would be? Why did I lose it? So when strong, lusty desires for sense gratification are unfulfilled, one becomes angry. This anger can be satisfied when one chastises his enemy. But when there is an increase in loba or greed, which is the greatest enemy caused by rajaguna, the mode of passion, how can one advance in Krishna consciousness? So, so far, everything here has been very sad. Everything we've read so far today has been very sad. So now we're going to read something happy. If one is very greedy, two, Enhance his Krishna consciousness. This is a great boon. <sighs> okay, finally. Something I can be greedy about. Tatra loyam ekalam mulam. Mulam, the root. This is the best path available. The best path available. Srila Prabhupada says so many times, the only price for Krishna consciousness is a great desire for it. Kamasyantam hikshutribhyam I'm going to read both verses. Because of greed for the sake of the senses, the spiritual strength, education, austerity, and reputation of a devotee or brahmana who is not self-satisfied dwindle and his knowledge gradually vanishes. The strong bodily desires and needs of a person disturbed by hunger and thirst are certainly satisfied when he eats. Similarly, if one becomes very angry, that anger is satisfied by chastisement and its reaction. But as for greed, even if a greedy person has conquered all the directions of the world or has enjoyed everything in the world, still he will not be satisfied. So what is greed? Ordinary greed is I want something for myself. It's, it's very selfish. And I want something for myself intensely. I really, 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 really want it. And I want something for myself that's far beyond what I need. I just want and want and want and want and want for myself. And this can be things, you know, I want five cars and I want six houses. And I want, you know, to conquer all the countries of the world. Like in the, the Nazis, you know, they conquer this country, that country, this country, that. I'll conquer another country. Oh, let's conquer Russia too. <laughs> that didn't work out very well. Let me get more and more and more and more and more and more. So it can be things. 
One can also be greedy for reputation. Everybody has to like me. There's nobody who's allowed not to like me. Everyone has to think that I'm the greatest. Everyone. And one can be greedy for power. I want to control this, I want to control that, I want to control this, and I want to control this, and I want to control this, and I want to control this. You were talking about trying to fix things, right? So I can be greedy for power. I'm not satisfied with the kingdom that God has allotted to me, which may be just a little closet I live in, or it may be my family, or it may be a country, or maybe a planet. Whatever it is, I'm not satisfied with that. It's just I want to control more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And, of course, this it's basically taking Take and 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 take because I constantly feel what? What am I feeling when I'm doing that? Empty. Feeling empty. Feeling empty. And basically, this lust, anger, and greed, this is all an urge to become complete. That's all it is. It's just an urge to become complete. It's ultimately a spiritual urge that I want to become complete by connecting with the complete whole. But because I don't know who I am and I don't know who the complete whole is, I'm trying to become complete by filling this emptiness that I have with as much as I possibly can. And Thomas Merton, who commented favorably on Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita, a Catholic monk, he wrote, all of us have a God-shaped vacuum in our heart. Now God's unlimited. So if you've got a God-shaped vacuum in your heart, it's unlimited. Vishnu Chakravati Thakur comments that when Mother Yasoda was breastfeeding Krishna, the milk on the stove was very disturbed because it thought Krishna's belly is unlimited. Mother Yasoda's breast milk is unlimited, so they're never going to stop. When will I get my chance for service? So in that ecstasy, the milk boiled over. So Krishna's unlimited. And when we forget that we're connected with Krishna, we're all connected with Krishna. Can you be not connected with Krishna? Krishna says, I am the intelligence of man. I am the ability in man. I am the life of all that lives. I am the digestive fire. Can you be not connected with Krishna? Is it possible? Is it possible? Well, when we have this illusion that I'm not connected with Krishna, we feel this overwhelming emptiness. And we try to fulfill this by taking, 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 taking. More or sometimes better more better, more better, more better, more better, more better, more better. And the modern secular societies that deny God are really into this greedy thing. The more secular the society is, the more greedy the society is. And, and greed is very harmful because, you know, you're taking from some, when you're taking more than you need, you're taking from somebody else. I mean, the earth can produce unlimitedly, but when people are atheistic, it doesn't, or she doesn't, we should say. So then you're taking from others. The greediness of the modern atheistic society means that there are many people in the world living in poverty and, and suffering. There are many animals living in suffering. The earth is suffering. You know, like we read about Hiranyakashipu who tried to force the fruits and vegetables to bear all year round. That's what the modern demons are also doing. Get strawberries in January. You know, they're, they're, they're damaging the earth. They're so greedy that they're damaging the earth. They're damaging the water. They're damaging the air. 
They're making the lives of billions of animals miserable and horrible and, 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 and killing them in great pain. They're making the lives of other people miserable and horrible. I want to get as many things as possible, as cheaply as possible. Okay, you know, you work without medical insurance and in terrible environments and get paid practically nothing so I can get as much stuff as cheaply. This is what greed does. It causes harm to others. And guess what? You have to pay for it. The universe is fair, which we really like that when we're the, at the short end of the stick. When we get cheated, we want the universe to be fair. <laughs> well, the universe is fair. And if out of greed, one harms others, then one has to pay. And the, the price is pretty heavy. You lose your, your education. You can't remember things. You lose your realization. You don't understand what's going on. You don't understand the goal of life. You lose your reputation. Nobody likes you anymore. You lose your ability to do austerity, your willpower. You lose your, your faith. You lose your ability to practice religious life. And perhaps the worst thing is you're just miserable. You don't even have a, a moment of satisfaction. At least if you get angry at somebody, you feel satisfied for an hour or so. If you satisfy your lust, you feel angry for an hour or so. I mean, at least you have something, a little something. With greed, you don't even have, no, you have nothing. What a bad deal. Really bad deal. And it means also, if that isn't bad enough, it means that one's whole consciousness is absorbed in external things. One's consciousness is absorbed in, you know, let me get the latest, greatest car, two cars, three cars, four cars, latest, greatest building, more building, more building, more money, more. And it's all, you're all absorbed in just illusory things. And then we get another body and another birth where we're just satisfied. Oh, great. But then because due to our greed, we harm so many people and so many entities, then, you know, you get another body where you're dissatisfied, but maybe you're the person working in the sweatshop. Or you're the animal in the Purdue factory farm. So then you get to experience the result of our greed. But even in this life, there's no peace. It's never peaceful. Because greed can't be satisfied. You don't get to the point where you say, okay, okay, I have enough. It's good enough. I don't need the perfect this, the perfect that, the perfect more and more and more. You never have that. You're never peaceful. And if you're not peaceful, Krishna says, you can't be happy. You're never happy. And we see so many people like this today. Maybe we're also like this. Never, ever happy. Never, ever peaceful. Somebody was talking yesterday. Karina Darney was talking yesterday about, you know, devotees who are always, let's make ISKCON better, better, better. But if they're thinking in a materialistic way, better for me, better for my sense gratification, more comfortable for me, they're never happy. Have you met people like this? They're just never happy. They're never peaceful. And then you lose your ability to connect with other living entities also because all you're thinking about is me, 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 me. How can you connect with somebody who's all about me, 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 me? Because people get greedy in their relationship also. 
okay, I know you fix the dishwasher, and I know you took out the trash, and I know that you mow the lawn, but what about fixing the screen door? You haven't done that. You know, and you're constantly demanding more and more and more and more and more people. It's never enough. You never can say to people, hey, thank you. By the way, Krishna is just the opposite of that. Swalpat says, just a little bhakti. Just a little bhakti. You just say Krishna's name, even inadvertently. Hey, let's go to the Sinarama. And he's like, wow. <laughs> you know, Patram Pushpam Palam Toyam. You just give him a little water. And he's, wow, I'm satisfied. But a greedy person, you know, you can give them water, you can give them a banquet, you can give them a mansion, you can give them, you give them your whole life. Prabhupada says that of the man who wants to take sannyas. He says to his wife, okay, time to take sannyas. She says, how can you take sannyas? You haven't finished your duties. I've been working for 40 years. She said, that's not enough. So a greedy person can't, can't even have proper relationships. Material greed leaves you empty. It's based on emptiness, and it leaves you empty. So now that we're thoroughly depressed, and now we have this one sentence here in this purport. So does a self-satisfied person mean that you're just simply like, blah? Okay. Whatever happens, that's cool. Go with the flow, man. Om Shanti, I'm just peaceful, I don't care what I have. I mean, sometimes we think that that's the goal. And tonight, Krishna willing, we're going to be looking at the last verses of the 12th chapter where Krishna keeps saying the person who's equal poised and satisfied is very dear to him. Equal poised and heat and cold, happiness and distress, honor and dishonor, friends and enemies, fear and anxiety. But are we aiming for this neutri- neutrality, equal poise, or we just don't care? I just don't care if I have anything. Little thing, nothing. No clothes, a hundred clothes. No shoes, a million shoes. Everybody hates me. Everybody loves me. Nobody, whatever, I just don't care. Is that even attractive, by the way? I mean, it might be attractive if you're really suffering from material greed. The emptiness of material greed. It might be attractive. Oh, if only I could just let go of all these material desires and just be peaceful. But we're interested in so much more than peace, my dear friends. So peace is the, is the grounding, it's the foundation. But it's not the ultimate goal. Is Mother Yasoda peaceful? Is she peaceful? Where's that Krishna? Where'd he go? What's he doing now? How am I going to train him? Actually, she says specifically in the 10th Canton Krishna book, Madhya Soda was not very peaceful. It says it specifically. It said, always worrying about Krishna. And there was a lot to worry about with Krishna, too. So, you know, he wasn't even six years old, and he's taking care of the calves in the forest by himself without any adult supervision. And there's a river. And there were monsters. You know, actual monsters. 12-mile-long monsters. And the kids are coming home and they're saying, Mother Yasoda, Mother Yasoda, there was this 12-long-mile snake and it swallowed up all of us. And she's like, my God, <laughs> please, Lord and Ryan, protect my son. You know? And Krishna says, oh, Mommy, they're making it up. They're making it up. It's just stories. But, it, you know, they weren't always making it up. There was Putana. 
She saw with her own eyes. In Trinavarta. And it was Agasara's body. So how much is she, is she worried about Krishna? And the gopis aren't always peaceful. They aren't just always like Shanti Shanti, the young gopis. When Krishna leaves them in the rasa dance, they're not like, oh well, Krishna comes, Krishna goes, it's okay. They went crazy. Actually, they entered into such deep, transcendental, ecstatic madness that they thought they were Krishna. So we're not interested in just killing material greed. In fact, you can't just kill it. And if we try to make advancement by killing, we will be very disappointed. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why it's so hard. If you just oh, I'm just going to kill the lust, anger, and greed. I just won't be greedy anymore. I just won't be, and I just try to kill it. Because it's really, ultimately, in its original form, something spiritual, when you try to kill it, you're trying to kill part of yourself. And so if you don't use it spiritually, it just manifests again. Have you had this experience? You have this material thing that's causing you so much trouble, and you just kill it, kill it, kill it. And then, shoot, there it is again. That's funny. I thought I killed it. Like one of those cartoons that I watched when I was a kid, you know, where the cartoon character gets killed over and over again. They just kind of bounce back with their rubber body. (laughs) So that's not the solution. It's not the solution. That's a temporary solution. But Abhisuddha Buddha, one's intelligence is not purified. And therefore one will fall down from that position. And unfortunately, we see even members of the Hare Krishna movement, members of our ISKCON movement, will sometimes try to conquer these problems just by repression and by destruction. We've, we've seen it. We've seen it over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't work. So what do you do? You substitute the spiritual greed. The material greed is coming from a sense of separation from Krishna. That's what it's coming from. But it's a separation from Krishna out of envy and out of, out of anger and out of nastiness. I don't want that Krishna anymore. I want to try to be Krishna. And spiritual greed comes out of a separation from Krishna out of love. Now it's interesting that spiritual greed in one sense can't be satisfied because you always want more and more, but in another sense you're constantly satisfied. So with material greed you're never satisfied. With spiritual greed you're always satisfied. Because spiritual greed comes from the sense that I'm part and parcel of Krishna. Because Krishna is unlimited, you can always want more and more and more and more Krishna. But he's also always full, so you're fully satisfied. You take away the complete from the complete. It's still complete. Krishna is always complete. When you're connected with Krishna, you're always complete. But because Krishna is always expanding, you can always feel, I want more. He's not complete in stasis. He's, he's not complete in, in some sort of frozen way. He's always expanding. His leelas are always expanding. You know, Krishna looks at the gopis and, and they become more beautiful and they look at him and he becomes more beautiful and they look at each other and they each become more and more and more beautiful and there's a competition. 
Krishna Das Kaviraj says that never ends. And the devotees like, you know, Govardhan. <laughs> so when Krishna told all the residents of Vrindavan to worship Govardhan, and they cooked these, they cooked mountains of food, actually. They made mountains of food. And then Govardhan manifested a personal form and ate everything. And it was a lot of everything, more than we had on Gaurashakti's birthday. <laughs> you know, he ate everything. And then what did he say? Give me more, give me more, give me more, give me more. And the devotees didn't feel, what's wrong with you? You know, I already gave you everything. Now the devotees are, let me give more, let me give more, let me give more, let me give more. And what is Krishna doing? He's giving more, and he's giving more, and he's giving more, and he's giving more. When we surrender to Krishna, we give ourselves fully, Atmani Vedanam. And what does Krishna do in exchange? He gives himself. Who wins? So Krishna is always trying to give more and 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 more to the devotee. Therefore, the devotee can always want more and more and more and more and more. Krishna, I want to give more. 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 And Krishna's like, I want to give you more. 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 But you're always satisfied. Completely satisfied. Dhruva Maharaj said, I'm completely satisfied. I, I, don't, I, I have no interest in anything. I'm full. The devotee doesn't care whether they have one pair of shoes or no pair of shoes or ten pairs of shoes or everybody respects them or nobody respects them or whatever because they're already full. They already have everything they could want by getting all those things. Whatever you could achieve by having a million pairs of shoes and a million houses and owning all the countries of the world and owning all the planets and having everybody love you and everybody respect you and everybody do exactly what you say, exactly the way you say it, exactly how you say it all the time. Whatever satisfaction one would get from that, whatever happiness one would get from that, you've got that in bhakti. A gazillion, billion, zillion, bedillion times over. So it doesn't matter about the other things. You know, Bill Gates really doesn't care about $5. Why? Because he's already got billions of dollars. So the devotee doesn't, doesn't have any greed for material things because they're full. And they're satisfied with that fullness. But the fullness is increasing, so they want more and 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 more. So material greed is emptiness. I want to take more to fill my emptiness. And spiritual greed is fullness. I want to give more to increase the fullness, not only for me, but for everyone. And that should be the basis of our preaching, our Harinam and our book distribution. It shouldn't be like some sort of, you know, self-righteous fanatic born again. I have the truth and you don't, you wretched dog, hog, camel, and ass. It should be, I'm full, and I'm so full, and it's so expanding that I can't hold all of it. Here, take, 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 take. More people take, more people take, more people take, more people take, more people take. Everybody, become happy, become happy. And I can never get enough of everybody being happy. Hey, get happier, more of you, get happier. Hey, more, more, more. All over the universe, all over all the universes, everybody, <laughs> flooding. And the material greed is, I can't take enough from you. I can suck you dry, and I still haven't got enough. Nasty, isn't it? Yeah. 
So how do we get this spiritual greed? My dear friends, that is the whole purpose of our Hare Krishna movement. Because that's how you attain Krishna consciousness. That's it. I mean, that's not, I'm not saying that. Krishna says that in the 12th chapter. We just studied that the day before yesterday. What's the whole purpose of sadhana bhakti or bhyasa yoga? Icha. To have a desire. And you want Krishna intensely more than anything else. Then guess what? You get Krishna. Prabhupada says in the first canto, the unhappy materialist can get out of the material world just by desiring to do so. So how do we get that desire? Everything we're doing is meant to light that desire and fan that desire. Our japa, our kirtan, our deity worship, our book distribution, our cleaning the temple, our managing the accounts, our driving the cars, our dealing with the devotees are all meant to increase and increase and increase and increase and increase and increase. I'd like to enter into Krishna's pastimes. This morning I was, I was listening to uh, the passing away of Bhishma. I mean, wouldn't it be cool to be there? See Bhishma, the great warrior on the bed of arrows, and all the Pandavas and all the great sages, and there's Krishna. And then that great soul who'd spoken on thousands of topics with thousands of meanings and fought on thousands of battlefields with thousands of men, fixed his wide open eyes on the personality of Godhead and left his body, and everything was quiet, just like birds at the end of the day. Wouldn't you like to be there? So by hearing, by hearing the books, by associating with devotees, everything is meant to, yes, I want to be there. I want to be there. I want to see Krishna dancing on Kaliya. Wouldn't that be cool? At the festival we have in Russia, so the two years that I've gone at the end of the festival, there are devotees who do a fireworks dance. It's at night, and they have costumes that have lights, electric lights, and then the costumes has fireworks coming out of their arms and their heads. I mean, real fireworks, friends. Actual fireworks. And then they have these, these sticks with fireworks at the end of it. It's amazing, you know. And they're dancing to, displaying Krishna's Leela, dancing in these costumes with these fireworks. What about Krishna's dancing? I mean, it's amazing. You look at it like, wow. Krishna's dancing on Kaliya. There's a thousand and one hoods, and they're all slippery, and they're all moving. And each hood is trying to kill Krishna. He's just dancing. And Sanatana Goswami says he secretly pulls the gopis onto the Kaliya too. Wouldn't that be nice to dance with Krishna and Kaliya? We should be greedy for that. Greedy to serve the devotees. One way we can increase our greed is by serving the devotees. Get in this mood of being a giver. Let me, let me relish being a giver instead of being a taker. How can I serve the devotees more? How can I serve Prabhupada's mission more? How can I serve Prabhupada's mission better? How can I serve the devotees better? How can I be absorbed in Krishna more? How can I be absorbed in Krishna better? Then we'll feel satisfied. Even if externally we don't succeed, it doesn't matter. If I try my best to serve the devotees more and better and more and better, and even if, you know, they're not always happy with me, Krishna's happy with me. And then I feel completely satisfied. And that satisfaction is so wonderful that then I want more and more and more and more and more and more and more of that kind of satisfaction. And the greed that comes from emptiness I'll automatically reject without any separate effort. It just becomes revolting. 
like Jamunacharya, who says he spits at ordinary sex life. Not because he's averse to it or he hates it, but it's just like, why? There's no flavor in it. It's like, you know, the examples given in the Shastra of, of sugar cane that's already been chewed. We don't have too much of that around here. So you could think of, you know, like chewing gum that's already been chewed. Who would pick it up? And one of Gaurashakti's croissants, you know. Would you, would you, you've got that on your plate. Why would you take the old chewing gum? It's not that you hate it. It's just like, yeah. So when one is filled with spiritual greed, material greed is like, what's that about? Why are people trying to fill the hole in their heart with all this sort of stuff at the expense of others and they're going to get another birth and they're going to have to pay the karma and they're never even happy even for a moment? What's that about? Why don't I want to do that? Whereas I can be happy at every moment and keep expanding and expanding and expanding. So this is our purpose, to become greedy for Krishna. Everything we're doing is for that purpose. Questions, comments, corrections, chastisements? Sometimes I get those. Yes. You certainly can feel that way, can't you? Because they are eternal. Yes, okay, so the que- your question was that since the leelas are eternal, just by hearing about them, aren't we entering into them? Yes, you are really able to get there. I can't speak for you personally, but it is certainly possible that just by hearing the leelas, there was this one uneducated brahmana, just by reading Bhagavad Gita, he experienced being there with Krishna driving Arjuna's chariot, and he was crying in ecstasy. You don't even have to hear them. You can just remember them. And yes, because Krishna is in the heart, all of his leelas can manifest in the heart at any time. In fact, when the deities are here, all their leelas are manifesting here. Just like Shiva Ramaraj, he's established in his farm in Hungary all of the places of Krishna's pastimes. And he says because Radhasham is there, all of their pastime places must be there. So please don't think Rukmini Dwarkadish are just hanging out on the altar all the time. They're walking around the community, going to their different pastime places. It's actually manifest here if one wants to see it. Thank you. In the, in the purple proper mentions about that line from the Padiavali, Tatralolian. Yes. Tatralolian, Lianikalam. Uh, the previous lines is Krishna Bhakti Rashi Bhavatamati. Bhavatamati. So I was wondering, in that verse it says that even after millions of births, one cannot obtain Isn't that awful? Krishna. So my question is that sometimes you read in this 10 canto verses where the ladies of Mathura Vrindavan, they said, oh, how many pious activities does the gopis of Vrindavan have done? to see the beautiful lotus face of Krishna, that they're drinking the nectar of Krishna's face. So, in one sense, that, the previous verse is like, you cannot by pious activities. Mm. But in the other one, it says, 
it appears like a little contradiction. Mm. I don't see them as material pious activities. Mm -hmm. In other words, as devotional activities, which are sometimes considered to be pious. I mean, they're ultimately the ultimate pious activities. By the way, we're all in Krishna's Leela right now in this Hare Krishna movement. It depends on your consciousness. You can see the Hare Krishna movement as a bunch of people who want a comfortable life and money and power and whatever, and there are people here like that, and if you see like that, that's what you'll see. You can see this as a movement to establish mundane dharma and varnashram in the world, and, and, and you know, that's what you'll see. You can see this as a movement for your own spiritual liberation and your own salvation, and that's what you'll see. Or you can see it as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Lila because that's what it is. One can experience being in Krishna's Leela in this Hare Krishna movement, if one wants to. Yes? Can one dovetail envy? Can one dovetail? It's not, you see, you're not exactly dovetailing these things. You're restoring their original form. So it's not exactly that you're dovetailing material greed. You're, you're restoring the original form of greed. It's not, it's not exactly dovetailing. Dovetailing is more like, I like pizza, I'll offer it to Krishna. That's, that's a little different. As far as envy, the original form of envy is a friendly, appreciative competition to please Krishna. Material envy is, is our whole problem. It's, you can say any of these is our whole problem. Material envy is very malicious. I want you just to suffer in some way. Material envy is, you know, I have a, you can be smart but not quite as smart as me. You can have a nice car, but not quite as nice as me, or I don't even want you to have a nice car. Yes, Prabhu. Thank you for a wonderful class. What, what, why are there just different degrees of envy? Other, I mean, greed. In other words, why are there some people that are more greedy than others? If we're all spirit soul, you know, we all have, you know, desires. But why is that, that you can see someone who's extremely greedy and then one who's not? You're talking about materially? Materially. Well, that, because here Prabhupada's saying greediness is coming from Rajagun, so it depends what modes of nature you're under. So how what much... if you're you, deeply in just ignorance? You have no passion? Because you, you heard it came well, you from can't Rajagun. Be to total ignorance is like, you know, a table. So you can't be totally ignorant. Total goodness is soul. So you can't be totally ignorant. There has to be some mode of passion. You know, ignorance is basically I want to enjoy the world in a sinful way with as least as small endeavor as possible. So the more you're in ignorance, you're like, let me make as little sacrifice and as little work as possible to enjoy the world. That I don't care how I do it and I don't care what the results are for me or for others. The, the pure mode of passion is like a king where, you know, I want to enjoy the world, but I want to do it through piety and I want to do it through reputation and I want to do it through honor. But it's the mode of passion that gives you unlimited desires. So it depends how much you're... I mean, if you're really totally in the mode of passion, you want to fulfill your greed in an honorable way. The more you're in the mode of ignorance, you want to fulfill your greed in a dishonorable way. And when you get to the mode of goodness, you're mostly peaceful. The mode of goodness, you start seeing everybody's a soul. So in the mode of goodness, is still trying to enjoy the world. But they're, they're trying to enjoy the world by just being a, a really uh, equipoised and satisfied and, and peaceful person. So it depends, karna guna sangasya. Which modes are you associating with? It's kind of like you go into a bookstore and there's the, you know, the philosophy books and then there's the, 
romance novels, and then there's the mystery books, and then there's the horror books. You know, which part of the bookstore are you in? So if, you, if one's very much in the mode of passion, then one will feel this very intensely. And if you also have a lot of ignorance, you'll feel this greed very intensely, and you won't care what you do to get it. So our modern society is mostly in this passion-ignorance place, which is why people are trying to fulfill their greed in ways that are damaging the planet and damaging the animals and damaging other human beings. Someone purely in the mode of, of passion wouldn't do that. They would try to meet their greed in a way that was righteous. So that, de that depends. But in the spiritual platform, ultimately, we all have intense greed for Krishna. So in one sense, you can say that even if you're in the mode of goodness or in the mode of ignorance, it's really just manifesting in a different way. You know, I want to be a super peaceful, forgiving, equipoised, cool person. Or, you know, I want, to get, I want to get as much corn chips as I can without moving off the couch. So it's, it, it, I think it manifests in, a, in another way, you know, when you're more in, in ignorance or, or goodness. Because ultimately it is part of the soul this desire that I can never get enough service to Krishna, I can never get enough service to the Vaishnavas, I can never get enough, I can't see Krishna enough, you know, the gopis don't even want to blink. I don't even notice my blink. I can't see Krishna enough. Yes, Prabhupada. I thank you for your class. So now, um, the Uttama Adhikari, he has to come down to the middle platform to preach Krishna consciousness. So, since that when we are in Tuma Satagun, you know, we, we experience peacefulness, calm, things like that. We cannot do too much for Krishna in terms of spreading Krishna consciousness to be fired up. So we need to go down to a little fashion. That's a very interesting philosophy. Actually, in the mode of goodness, one has unbreakable determination. It's not that a person in the mode of goodness doesn't work hard, but their work hard is not being born from unlimited material desires. And they're working hard while maintaining their equanimity. The person in the mode of goodness has unbreakable determination coming from yoga practice. The person in the mode of passion, their determination is based on the fruits. If everybody's praising them and everything's going well and they're making a lot of money, they are working hard. And when things go bad, they're like, oh, man, I'm depressed. I can't get out of bed. So the person in the mode of passion, their determination is very based on the external circumstance. On the mode of goodness is coming from within. So it's not that because... Why does the Uttamadhikari have to come down to the Majjama platform? What do we mean by that? So it's like, you know, I put together this Learn to Read program. So when you're teaching kids to read, you cannot teach kids... Well, you, you can, but it won't work. You cannot teach kids to read effectively if you teach them the way we read. So the way we read as adults is we read a phrase at a time. And we predict what's coming. That's how we read. We very rarely sound out words. Only when we come to a very unfamiliar word do we sound it out. And only if our predictions are wrong do we go back. So they've tried to teach kids like this, and it doesn't work. You have to teach kids, okay, you know, P says P, and T says T, and sound it out and sound out. I don't read like that. Do you read like that? Do you read? No. So if I'm teaching a child to read, if I read the way I read, the child will not be able to learn properly. So when I'm teaching a child to read, I act as if I also have to read like that. I'm reading. Is that how I read? No. 
do I have to read like that? No. But in order to help the child, I'm reading like that. Or mathematics. You know, when you're good at mathematics, you just get the solution in your head. You don't even know how you got there. You can't teach somebody like that. You have to think, okay, what are the steps I do? And then you've got to articulate the steps to take them one by one by one. So it's not that the Uttama stops being an Uttama. Uttama is still an Uttama. It's not that the Uttama becomes a Majjhima. But they adopt the vision of an Uttama. So they're discriminating. Okay, there's a demon. I'm going to leave them alone. There's an innocent person. I'll help them in that way to be an effective preacher. But no, you do not have to go to the mode of passion or the mode of ignorance in order to be an effective preacher in the Hare Krishna movement. <laughs> you know, the, the enthusiasm that the devotee gets is way above the mode of goodness. The enthusiasm a person the mode of goodness gets is because they're not affected by anything externally. So all their enthusiasm is coming from their inner inspiration and therefore it doesn't waver. But our enthusiasm is coming, hopefully, <laughs> from being plugged into Krishna who's an unlimited source of enthusiasm. We don't need the, the enthusiasm of the mode of passion is it's about me. That's the enthusiasm of the mode of passion. Um, we are like almost at 8.30. Am I in trouble? One more, okay. Yes? <clears throat> you, uh, you can be greedy for Krishna, but how it can be lusty for Krishna? I mean... If you are not, for example, hoping spirit to world, so how can be the last day for Krishna? Oh my. This is the other seminar. Just short, maybe. It's another seminar. Very Inside. short. Okay, well, if you're a householder having babies, you can use your lust for Krishna, your material lust for Krishna very directly that way. Um, but the way you lust for Krishna is you're very eager to satisfy the senses of Krishna. Ordinary material lust, I'm very eager to satisfy my own senses. And spiritual lust, I'm very eager to satisfy Krishna's senses. That's a very short answer. And that's true regardless of what rasa you're in, by the way. The servants are also very eager to satisfy Krishna's senses. Thank you very much. Algarai Sishil Prabhupada.